Hello and welcome to the Raising Helmets podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Carrie. And we're here to talk about the news. I don't have a Jules voice. Hello and welcome back to the Raising Helmets podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Kyle. And we are recording an emergency episode. In light of recent YouTube events, we felt it necessary to comment on the extremely problematic YouTube. Um, yes, and also use it as a springboard to talk about kids' brains and media consumption. Exactly. That's what makes us uniquely qualified. I, as you know, have two kids, and you, as I know, also have two kids, and a... And what? Bachelor's degree. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) In YouTube and parenting. Um... Not exactly, but close enough. In early childhood education. Okay, that is actually more accurate. Well, if you want to get technical. human development with a specialization in early childhood education. Yes, There you go. See, I knew I knew. So there's been a thing going around the Twitters that is a video taken from YouTube, which consists of a mother chicken or duck or something guiding its flock into what appears to be a CGI waterfall. And then out the other side as a mother alligator guiding its flock of alligators. And there's a music change from like a typical kid's nursery rhyme. And then when the alligators emerge, it becomes more of like a hip hop. An extremely, if I remember correctly. An extremely catchy beat. Yes. Um, I would say that you summarized the video pretty well there, except that the, uh, the idea of a mother creature guiding baby creatures is a distinctly more naturalized and humanized way of describing the fact that it's essentially like a large object followed by four or five smaller objects all moving in perfect eerie synchronization. That's an excellent clarification and a good example of how we as adults are able to contextualize things in ways that children haven't necessarily learned yet and are therefore likely to not really understand as well. What do you mean? So we look at that and we go, mother hen being followed by chicks. Oh, right? uh-huh. But a kid doesn't necessarily know that yet. Or if the kid does know that, the kid doesn't really have a coherent grasp on it. It's true, yeah. A kid, um, it's hard to know what a child might interpret that video to mean. Um, one of my very favorite coworkers, a, a teacher that I really look up to, likes to say that children are great perceivers but poor interpreters. That's an extremely um, good thing. It really is, and it applies to a lot of things in life. Um, interactions that they observe between other people, um, media that they might consume. They they can pick up what's going on really well, but they're not going to be able to tell necessarily that something is satire or even that it's not reality. Um, and so the thesis of this pod- podcast is that exposing children to YouTube and media is incredibly toxic. So based on that, would you say it's fair to say that the way that a child becomes good at understanding what they see is because they perceive such a massive amount of information that they are eventually able to categorize it, right? I mean, that's certainly part of it, but there's also the fact that their brains continue to mature um, in dramatic ways from birth to adulthood. And as we continue to collect data, we also get a lot better at understanding 
that data and it applying logic to whether or not something we see can really happen. But kids, um, especially at the age that a lot of YouTube kids seem to be targeted at, which I would say is maybe like the two to eight range, um, they're still thinking pretty illogically, or at least um, they need to have concrete material in front of them to work out a logical problem. For example, they might need to measure something to see whether one liquid is uh, of a larger volume than another given liquid um, if they're in two differently shaped containers. You know, an adult can look at that and sort of estimate, but a child doesn't know that like a tall skinny tube might contain less liquid than a short fat tube. You know, they think yeah. like, oh, the taller one is more or something like that. Because when you're two to eight, you're still making the rules by which you'll understand the world for the rest of your life, right? Right. So you, you tend to look at things through a more simplistic um, black and white lens and you tend to be a lot less discerning about what you're seeing so when you see this um bizarre video where the chickens like march into this like magical bubbly fountain and it emerges alligators um we adults might kind of go lol that's super weird but you know what is it what is a kid to say that that's not a thing that could happen mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about what is happening on the youtubes exactly yeah um, so we've got these people who are making these videos mm -hmm. and there's like, I would say there's three tiers of videos on YouTube designed for kids. Mm -hmm. And the first tier is the legitimate quality or at least like almost high quality entertainment. Like actual kids shows that have either been posted by the content creators or have been ripped and reposted by accounts looking for views. Yeah, like I think you can find some Blue's Clues episodes or parts of Blue's Clues episodes. Yeah. Um, and then there are also like stuff that we wouldn't call kids shows traditionally but work well with kids. Like we really like showing Rory the train videos that are just clips of trains going by along the California coast or something like that. Yeah, shout out to YouTube account CoasterFan2105 because he <laughs> makes a lot of really neat videos that are, yeah, just, uh, I'm not exactly sure if he's taken the footage or where he got it from, but he's compiled them into either very calming and relaxing videos of trains over different landscapes. My Our favorite, I think, is one of the California coastal train uh, system. Or he makes super informative videos about how trains work, and they're super appropriate if your child really likes trains, even if they're not geared specifically toward kids. Yeah, both both are really great, and they're relaxing and entertaining for adults too. Like I've watched, I've watched with Rory some of the videos, mm -hmm. um, and like the one that goes up the California coast is great because we'll recognize stations and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, uh, so that's the first tier, right? And then the second tier are the videos that rely on the keywords used in the first video, in the first tier of videos. Mm -hmm. um, but the quality drops dramatically because they're trying to maximize their views per, per dollar spent. Yeah, and they might be shoddy, like, independent animators. Or, um, as in the case of the chicken crocodile video, they're um, actually written by software that's designed to generate video content that will appeal to children and can get clicked on or can get stuck into auto playlists um, and have sort of colors and melodies and shapes that trick your mind into thinking that this is content that's been designed to be good for children to consume when really it's just a learning robot that's spitting out images. 
Right. So it's this weird mix of, of humans trying to figure out what'll work for the algorithms and then mm-hmm. algorithms that are built to do that work for the humans. And then it goes back around humans trying to fulfill the keywords that the algorithms tell them will be good, which is why you get really weird videos of, of people play acting stuff that their computers have told them will get a lot of clicks. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a more basic version of that would be the challenge videos, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, everyone does the cinnamon challenge or the ice bucket challenge. And so because that's a popular um, tag, then everybody starts making those in the hope of um, getting clicks on their videos. Um, but in children's YouTube, it gets kind of perverse because people are taking the names of popular characters or whatever and trying to either animate them or create skits or whatever. And because they're competing with the YouTube algorithm, they're um, increasingly trying to be more shocking or more dramatic or just more bizarre in hopes of getting attention. And it's all for the sake of YouTube's ad money. Right. And that leads us to the third tier of YouTube videos, which we're only going to comment on slightly after surviving exactly 30 seconds of watching them last night, which is the intentionally malicious YouTube videos. Right. So the two motives that appear to be behind the YouTube kids section are the people who um, are making videos for the money, which YouTube doles out pretty significantly if you can get the views. Mm-hmm. YouTube is the sole arbiter of that um, through a series of complex robot uh, auction interactions. <laughs> there's a good CGP Grey video on that. Actually. Yeah, we'll link to it. And then there's the people who are taking that as an opportunity to slip really uh, disturbing, malicious content into kids' YouTube. And that's where you get like the... Um, blood and gore and like sadistic dentists and different images like that that are sort of hidden under thumbnails that make you think it's just a standard Peppa Pig episode. Right. And the thing that got to me the most when we were watching stuff last night, watching videos about this stuff, was YouTube has autoplay turned on by default. Mm -hmm. And so you can sit your kid down with a legitimate video and Mm -hmm. be nine clicks away from getting all the way from tier one to tier three. I mean, not even clicks. Like the computer will just play... Nine videos. The kid just sits there with the screen and lets the next one play on. Yeah, and by the end of the video, they're watching basically porn of their favorite characters, and they're terrified of them, and they're traumatized. Yeah. It's a huge problem, and one that YouTube has paid lip service to addressing and has addressed Mm -hmm. to some extent, but it's one of those things where it doesn't matter if you've gotten rid of 90% of the junk if the other 10% is still just yeah. five views away. And here's where I think it's important to note that we're not uh, we're not here to bash or shame parents who've used YouTube because, it, like we said, we've used it with Rory to watch videos of trains. And um, we've seen the slippery slide happen in our home. Thankfully, I don't think he's seen any of the real disturbing videos because we sit with him while he watches it. But we started with the, the real-life videos of trains. And then in the... Uh, watch next suggested videos we he started to see more um like toy and cartoon oriented videos like people um filming their thomas train sets building tracks and stuff and we thought well that's kind of cool too so he watched that and then from there it started to suggest cartoon videos and um pretty soon that was all he would point at and if we put what used to be his favorite videos of real trains um you know 
on the tracks off into the beautiful California sunsets that we kind of enjoyed too. No, it was all about these suggested really stupid cartoons with no value at all. And that was what was attractive to his brain. And um, the, the issue is that those are the videos that trigger the brain most often. Um, it's kind of like the surprise egg videos, the unboxing that we talked about a couple episodes back, because um, the cartoons are able to stimulate the brain even more, and the little surprises and things that pop out and all that give little dopamine hits that make it much more addictive and engaging to a child than watching a slow-moving train going by. And so, of course, they're going to be more and more oriented toward the cartoon and the fake and the audit, um, the animated, which is another perverse incentive because if you're just after clicks, you can hack kids' brains into getting addicted to the um, most jump cuts or most um, pop-up characters or, or most unboxings or whatever it is. And um, while you're generating ad revenue for yourself, you're actively deteriorating the brains of young children and it's not parents fault right you're exactly right i would i mean if you know about this stuff you definitely have a duty to make sure your kid isn't watching it mm-hmm. um but or on youtube at all i mean at this point i think we might have to go cold turkey on rory right which also we've already sort of done that like he doesn't watch youtube very much if we put him in front of the screen for an episode or two it's usually something we've pulled off amazon prime like we really like um daniel tiger yeah um and I think, too, what the little bit of good news is that kids' brains are developing at an extremely rapid rate, and they're, they bounce back extremely well. And it didn't take him long before when we just stopped saying, hey, we're not doing YouTube anymore, before he stopped asking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think that's the good news, is that there's permanent damage that can be done, um, but for the most part, a kid's going to recover if, if, you, if you go to cold turkey. Right. I th- the permanent damage is probably um, more the like sexual and violent. Um, the the third traumatization. year. Yeah. They can be retaught that no, this stuff is is. Weird. But yeah, you can get them back off YouTube. Yeah. Um. um and that's so. Yeah. So like we've been saying, like you know, a lot of parents don't know what they're getting their kids into, um, and it's easy to just be like, well, you're responsible for your kids' c- content consumption, but also like the people who are producing this content or the hosting at YouTube, they say, hey, this is for kids. Like, they mm-hmm. have a kids category, and they still put stuff like this in it. Right, because it's all been uh, monitored by bots instead of humans, which I, apparently they're changing, but... Yeah, it's still bad. I'm never going to trust YouTube again, Yeah, basically. for sure. Nor did I ever in the first place, but I'm, they're never going to be able to get trust, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so so that's our discussion, I think, <laughs> of, of the problem with YouTube algorithms. That's that's the issue with um, the YouTube algorithm itself, but it's it's also problematic. Like even if you're watching a show, say that's on Netflix or something like that, the um, it still has a negative impact on kids' brains, even outside of the screen time itself or the time spent sedentary on the couch rather than active playing, and. Um, a lot of you have probably heard of Leah Labresco, who's a Catholic author. Um, she has two really good books. One is called Arriving at Amen, and one is called Building the Benedict Option. Both were fabulous. Um, but she was actually over for dinner one night, and we were kind of chatting. And she brought up what I thought was a really good point um, 
which is that when kids are interacting with the real world, even if they're just playing in the sandbox or something, they're learning a lot um, about the laws of gravity and physics and how substances interact with one another. And um, this is something we talk about in preschool education all the time is the incredible learning that happens when you think a kid is even just playing. But when they're watching a video, even something that's got similar content to what they play with, like trains or construction vehicles or something like that, they're still watching an augmented reality where substances may or may not affect each other the same way that they do in real life. Gravity may work differently. More obvious examples are like that cars can talk <laughs> or um, the, um, like the metal that makes up car bodies is sort of more rubberized or just quirky things. And when they're watching that, they're not learning real things about how the world works. I mean, even the train videos we were talking about are better because you can you know, you can see the, the landscape around the trains and you can see the steam coming off and how it um, behaves. But when you're watching like a cartoon, like Rory really likes Chuggington, there's nothing about Chuggington that tells you about what, how real trains work, despite the fact that it sort of pretends to be about trains. And you might think you would gather some information from that about, you know, how does a depot operate or whatever, but it's really not. It's nothing like that. Um, so much better for them to be playing in real life, which isn't going to be news to anybody. That's yeah. I think any, anytime you put your kid in front of any show, no matter how, how good it is, you just hit the problem of this isn't as good as real life. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think every parent at this point, I think every parent for as long as there's been parenthood have been looking for a way to just get their kid out of their hair for half an hour. Yeah. And so, you know, some shows are better than others, which maybe we'll talk about more later in or, or in a different episode but yeah we've been super bad at it like I for a while when Rory was little and I was pregnant with Joseph um I was in a routine where after breakfast I would put on a video and he would watch a couple episodes or more of Chugging Chin or Super Wings every morning while I just got stuff done and I was like oh, you know what it may make my morning better but then when I go to turn it off he turns into a monster and so I have you know Part of me wants to just let him sit there, but that's just not good. Right now, we're actually in a little bit of a better routine. Definitely. He definitely doesn't watch TV every day. Every few days, if we, in special circumstances, we'll put on one episode of something. Yeah, or as a reward after a tough day or for body training or something. Right. Yeah. Um, we're in a good. We're in a good place now. I'm sure it'll continue to fluctuate throughout future pregnancies and small <laughs> babies and all that. Uh, so there is one genre of kids' shows that has gotten us especially flabbergasted, I suppose, mm -hmm. because they're certainly somewhere between the first and the second tier, depending on the show. Um, but they they don't pass this sort of smell test that we adults have and kids usually don't even think about. And would you like to describe those? <laughs> the, uh, the smell test of what the hell is actually going on in this universe? Yes. Because, um, you know, you have your shows with people in them, and you have your shows where the vehicles are the characters, and then you have the shows where they're combined, like Bob the Builder or Chuggington or whatever, and then there's this, there's this channel that makes videos um, where the vehicles are the characters, and there are no humans anywhere in the landscape, and yet it is still completely human infrastructure. Yeah. You have bus stations, you have 
stairs, you have, or I'm sorry, bus stops, you have stairs, you have um, chairs um, around in different places, like hospital waiting rooms. I mean, high-rise apartment <laughs> buildings, yeah. High-rise apartment buildings. You have parking lots. Right. And yet, all of the sentient beings in this universe are cars. And, you know, it's, there's nothing that objectionable on its face about the content. I mean, there's nothing disturbing going on. It's just sort of about cars driving around in a city, talking to each other, you know, reminiscent of the Cars universe, if not as well done as Pixar. Well, the Cars universe at least appears to be a world where cars have invented their own infrastructure. Yeah. and that's, car- Yeah. That's the fundamental difference. This is a place we spent probably an hour after we watched like a 10 minute video just debating the merits behind different theories for where all of the people who clearly had existed had mm-hmm. gone. Um, it was an extremely, an extremely fruitless discussion. Uh, <laughs> that episode's uh, for our Patreon subscribers. Yeah. Rory and Joseph. Um, but what's, it actually makes you feel, I think, a little bit more impressed by shows like Cars. Um, because clearly a lot of thought is put into creating a universe that doesn't imme- immediately make adults go, okay, this makes no sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can make plenty of jokes after, like, how does cars have a concept of religion and what's the Department of Transportation even like in a <laughs> world where everybody is transportation? How are uh, car babies made? Why are there car babies? Right. Why are there minivans? And who gets to decide who's a semi-truck and who's a race car and who's a tow truck? Yeah. But, you know, those are, like, small things in a in a film where they've actually put a lot of thought into what does a... What does a world without people designed for vehicles look like? Yeah, so that you can watch as an adult and and not be just disturbed, like you're watching a Twilight Zone episode. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. this this um, it's made by a YouTube channel. Called- We're not going to say the name of the oh, YouTube channel. Okay. Folks- but I, I I also want to point out there's that other show, Dirty and Stinky. Is that what it is? Oh yeah, it's called Stinky and Dirty. Stinky and Dirty, and that's based on a series of books called Stinky and Dirty. I think. Well, there's I'm Dirty, uh, which is about a garbage right. truck, and there's I'm Stinky, which is about um, a digger or a bulldozer. There we go. They're really cute. So really Amazon like Amazon picked up a series or season or whatever of this book-turned-TV show, mm-hmm. and there are no humans in that either. They're doing a bunch of construction work, but like there's no people to look at it, and that's something that's professionally done, and it still like gave me the creeps. Oh, really? Yeah, wondering where, like, they ha- they had advertisements up, and nobody looking at the advertisements. <laughs> what is the point of the advertisement? So um, Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a really good example of, um, you know, a world where kids just aren't going to be questioning what's wrong with this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what really bugs me about this, this one, like, post-dystopian universe is that it's ostensibly about um, real city heroes. That's what they're called. Um, but the show is about an ambulance, a police car, a fire truck, a race car. <laughs> um, or like the Stinky and Dirty show is about a garbage truck and a digger. And um, it, they're kind of about how these vehicles are the heroes who do these important jobs to keep the city going. And this is an idea I actually got from chatting with Eve Tushnet, who is another well-known Catholic author who has really good um, articles and books out. And her point was that books like that um, can give children a twisted view of how the world operates because it's 
um, elevating the vehicles and the technology and completely erasing in uh, the, the one channel sense, completely erasing the human element of the people who have to labor and design and operate these vehicles. And I really liked that point because kids are super into vehicles and trucks and transportation and construction. Um, but I think it gives them a pretty narrow and it feeds into their egocentricity to make it just about the trucks and not about the real people whose lives are impacted by the way the things are designed or by um, the conditions of labor or whatever. So since then, I've tried to make a conscious decision to talk with Rory instead of just, oh, look at that digger, look at that dump truck, to be like, oh, that person is dumping, um, is using a dump truck to dump gravel into this pit, or like, oh, what do you think that person's going to build with his crane or something like that? Um, and I, th I think that it would be better if more channels focused on the human elements mm -hmm. of genuinely interesting work. Which was what was so great about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Yeah, if you remember. Because he would have entire episodes just dedicated to different people and what they do and how it mm -hmm. happens. There's also an author called Byron Barton who writes um, little books Rory really likes. We have planes and uh, ones called trucks. and uh, I can't remember what they're all called. But despite the name just focusing on the vehicle he actually does a really good job of focusing on like oh here are the workers their job is to inspect the airplane and these workers are taking a break for lunch from their construction site and making it more about what the job is like for the people there and not making it sound like the garbage truck is sentiently like cleaning up town all on its own mm -hmm. yeah this, this is a very particular rabbit hole to go down but i think it's a really kind of actually important one yeah Shout out to all sanitation and construction workers. They do important stuff. They do. And it's not fair for vehicles to get the credit for the work that they're doing. Do we have more to talk about about this this stuff? I don't know. People probably know this stuff to be careful on the internet with their kids and but to it's... monitor your kids' content and the conversations you're having about them. Yeah, and I, I, I think a lot of people say that but then sort of just go on autopilot and assume that you know, the system's taking care of whatever. And not only is that not true, but this place to a larger point, which some dude's TED Talk made abundantly clear that we watched last night. We'll that link to it. It's a really good TED Talk. It is good, in spite of me calling him some dude. Um, he, this is part of a bigger discussion that we're having. As our world gets more algorithmic, is who's controlling the algorithms what are the inputs and are we okay with the outputs? And a lot mm -hmm. of times the answer to all three of those questions are, are bad answers. There's bad inputs. The people controlling the algorithms don't have your best interest in mind and the output is really harmful. And um, this is, I think, the this strikes home the most because especially if you're a parent, you look at the stuff and you go, oh no, the system that I thought was okay is like actually kind of designed to hurt my kid. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot it's of... It's absolutely designed to, uh, you know, if not to actively injure, it's designed to encourage bad... Um, bad actors. Yeah. Yeah. Bad actors and bad outcomes. Right. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's trying to monetize your kid, which is also going to have long-term repercussions, uh, and it tries to program 
your kid to, to prefer certain things or to dislike certain things. And mm-hmm. this is something that then permeates through all of your life. And I mean, we're going to probably keep going back to this central concept, but a big problem that parents face and that we don't know how to wrestle with is how do I protect and raise my child in a world that's just ready to traumatize them and to monetize them and to turn them into units. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something we've got to keep in mind. Cause I don't, I mean, we're pretty, we have a lot of the tools necessary to parent and there just aren't easy answers to these questions. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if you're trying to consciously know what you're doing and that's really frustrating everywhere from entertainment to food, to transportation, to, to, the workforce to education it's it's all at some level bad it's all tainted by consumerism right yeah um your kids not only are your kids being told to consume certain things but their their brains and their desire for repetition and routine and the familiar um spiked with the unexpected is being hacked and exploited in itself as a resource to generate ad ad revenue Mm -hmm. So, so your kids are supposed to be both the consumers and the consumed. Right. So, you know, don't want to end. Actually, <laughs> we shouldn't end on a downer note. Let's talk a little bit about kids shows that are good. Well. <laughs> Just for like four minutes. I was thinking we, even beyond kids shows that are good, we could talk about good stuff to do with your kids that's not TV. Yeah, we could do that too. But what's a kids show you like? All right, so we've talked about Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. which obviously is is the, yeah. the highest good. Um, and then there's the Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which plays... Next-gen Mr. Rogers. Yeah, it literally plays on the nostalgia of millennials and says, if you want your kids watching Mr. Rogers, but, I don't know, more cartoony, then you can put this on. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not always perfect, but I, you told the story of, of that one kid who had the 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 ditty for for your first day of school memorized oh yeah daniel tiger has all these little like one-liner songs to help kids get through difficult situations and one of them is grown-ups come back and i had kids at my preschool who would stop and sing that to themselves when they missed their parents and it would help them get through the day so it has lots of those little songs i'm grateful to daniel tiger for that yeah yeah it's really sweet yeah and then Blue's Clues is what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. And I can't find an easy way to watch it because it appears to just be on their website. And I think you need, like, a special membership. But it, we've already seen a couple episodes and mm-hmm. thought it was fun. And and uh, something I like watching with Rory on YouTube, if I'm there to control it, is, like, Rube Goldberg machines. Yeah. That's really fun. Those are um, fun. We've, watched, we've had fun watching like some domino knocking down extravaganzas, like millions of dominoes. <laughs> um, and you watch cooking shows with him sometimes? I do, yeah. I like this. I really like this channel called June's Kitchen, and he has his cats sitting in chairs watching him cook, and so Rory likes watching the kitties, and I like watching the cooking, so that, that works pretty well. That's a good combo. Oh, you know what else we used to show Rory is the videos that are designed for cats to watch. Where, like, they set up a camera in the woods oh, yeah. and pile up bird seed in front of it. Uh-huh. And then squirrels and birds come and visit. Yeah. Or um, just, like, the, the live webcams of koalas and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Isn't there a way to turn off suggested videos? 
Is that a YouTube setting? There, or I don't think there are. I used an ad blocker extension to block suggested videos. <laughs> okay. And that doesn't block autoplay, which I think you can turn off. You can turn it off. Yeah, but it also makes parts of YouTube unusable. It's pretty difficult to navigate when it's when it's on, but it did help because it wasn't constantly showing Rory new and worse versions of what he was watching. But then you would get to the end of the episode and it would still display the the options for what you can watch next. Mm-hmm. There's no good way to use YouTube, honestly. Yeah. It would not blame you if you kicked it out of your home. In fact, probably everybody should, yeah. <laughs> at least in their kids' view. Instead, Rory has been into little Legos. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's funny cause I assumed that all parents upon the birth of their first child just magically got that magic, huge box of Legos oh, right? uh-huh. that everybody seems to have. And it appears that the parents are responsible for buying those. <laughs> so right now we just have like a small bag worth of Legos that I'm sure we will grow at some point. You know, I think my family got our giant magical box of Legos largely through hand-me-downs of people being like, Hey, my kids don't play with this anymore. So I'm imag- I imagine we'll get our own box someday. We'll get there. But yeah. for now, his little tiny set of, you know, 100 pieces is it's doing just fine. probably actually for the best. Much more manageable when it, when it can fit in a Ziploc. Yeah, definitely. So he's been liking that. He's been liking coloring. Um, he's been liking setting up toys and finding toys for Joseph to play. Mm-hmm. What else have we been doing? Uh, we read a lot of books. He likes playing hiding games. We have we have one game that's just it's it's for adults, but it's just two sets of blocks and one set is black and one set is white, and they have the numbers zero through eleven on them. Oh yeah. And Rory has become fascinated with those for some reason because he likes to line them up, which mm-hmm. is super adorable. But then he also likes to point at the numbers, and he currently has zero and four and two memorized. Yeah. So he can point at those numbers. He's confused by eleven. Because sometimes he understands what a one is, but he doesn't understand what two ones are. Mm-hmm. And then he'll point to the zero in ten. He saw the cornflakes the other day, and he pointed to the O in corn, and he said, oh, zero. <laughs> yeah, um, he also likes our Carcassonne tiles, and he likes our Boggle dice. And whenever we're playing D&D, he wants to roll the dice. Yeah, he likes pretty much any kind of dice. I like giving him our stuff, and he likes our stuff. To yeah. play with rather than his toys. It kind of goes back to um, Leo Le- Leah Labresco's point about kids kids want and kids need to learn about how the world works in real ways. And even their toys, um, you know, like he's, his little ovens and tool, tool benches and whatnot, they're super cute, but they don't. They don't show you a lot about what those things do in real life. They, you know, they don't get hot. They don't have sharp edges. Yeah. We and like, not that we give him hot no. or sharp things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I like, I like, you know, spoons and bowls he really likes. He really loves Tupperware. Yeah, he'll actually, <laughs> he'll open the cabinet and you'll pull out a saucepan and he'll just put some toys in it and kind of mix around the toys for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, we like putting him on the counter and letting him watch us cook and bake. Yeah, and yeah. we talk about, oh, this knife is sharp and, oh, he really likes to taste and he's, foods. He's, he's learned if we say the oven's hot, he will dash out of the kitchen and then stand right on the carpet right next to the kitchen to watch us. Because yeah. he knows that it's dangerous, but he also likes seeing what's going on. And I he don't likes... know if he knows that it's dangerous, but I think he knows we're very serious about it. That's a better way of putting it, yeah. And he likes when we turn the oven light on and he can see what's cooking inside. Yeah, he usually guesses it's pizza. 
I'll like flip it on and he'll look at it and he goes, oh, pizza. He learned that from me. that's muffins. I also guessed that it's pizza. Uh, And we got to tell you, even though this was going to be a very focused podcast, that Joseph is now in the reach for everything mode. Oh, yeah. Um, And I said, you know, Joseph's never going to learn to crawl if Rory just brings him everything. And so I set Joseph up with a tea kettle that was just a few feet away that he really likes and has been trying to grab at. And within 20 seconds, Rory, who was doing an entirely different thing on the other side of the room, said, oh, Jojo, I got it, and walked across the room and moved the tea kettle right up to Joseph. Um, <laughs> so they are, a, they are a great team, if a bit enablers. We just stood there watching. We were like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> How are we going to solve this? There's no way. So Joseph's torn between the fact that Rory brings him everything and also the fact that sometimes Rory is playing somewhere that Joseph isn't. And we don't know if how, how soon he's going to crawl based on those two countervailing yeah. factors. He would really like to crawl, that's for sure. Yeah. It's almost six months, just a couple days. So close. That's, yeah. Time's flying by. Anyway, that's um, that's our what was going to be a short but turned a little bit longer condensed thoughts on YouTube and children's media and more updates on our kids because... That's the real reason we're doing this podcast anyway. <laughs> exactly. But I hope that shown light on on some of the struggles parents face. Even, I mean, the ideal world, you, you keep the internet to a minimum, but it's also important to mm-hmm. know what you're up against. So. Yeah, I mean, you're not just up against, you're not just up against trying to monitor your kid's screen time. Yeah. It's much more sinister than that. Exactly. It's and it's important to keep that in mind. So, have a great week, everybody. (laughs) Um, We will not be watching the game today. We're just chilling. We're not football people, really. But if if you are watching the game, I hope you had a lot of fun. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Did we go to the park today? Yes. What did we do at the park? New parkets. What? We saw the kids in the park. We went to the... Yeah, we saw kids at the park. Did we go to the playground? Yes. And what did we do at the playground? The playground is other kids' playground. Other kids at the playground? The patch in the mud. What? Oh, we fell in the mud? Yes. Yeah, we got dirty, huh? But what did we see in the sky? The kind of in the sky right there. Yeah, airplanes really high? Yeah.